Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. Last week, we did verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read verse 3 to help with the context as we move into verse 4. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The idea is Jesus as our perfect example, as the one who would be the forerunner, the one who made the way, the, the type, the Christ, the, the archetype, the, the one. So whenever we're feeling a little bit too sorry for ourselves, we look at Jesus who endured all of the shame and all the suffering by those who were mocking and ridiculing him while he is dying to save them. So it's with that context in mind, that thinking in mind, Uh, that you move on to, you have not, verse four, you have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Jesus and the believers mentioned in chapter 11 are the example, many of them enduring through physical suffering and shame, especially the last section where it kind of gets into the unnamed uh, saints who endured all kinds of persecution, both past and probably present, the martyrs. And so he's using Jesus as a reference, and he's using these past people that may be forgotten in many minds, but what does the the author of Hebrews through the Holy Spirit say? God sees every one of them. He notices every single one of them, and for them, they have a place in this hall of faith. There are gifts, there are crowns for those who endure, who make it to the end. Not just for them, for then, but it has impact now. So he's reminding them, you haven't resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Uh, I think part of what this author is saying is, you're kind of making this a bigger deal than you should. It's thought of that at this, time, at this point, there was, when this was written, there wasn't a lot of people necessarily dying in persecution. But their lives were being disrupted. And what's interesting is when people are dying for the faith, there's, a, there's something about the boldness. You see others and, and there's, there's a, there's a uh, the Holy Spirit meets you and you're able to endure this kind of suffering. It's, it's the, the little decisions of, ah, this is kind of disrupting my life. Following Jesus is it's kind of inconvenient sometimes. You know, I, I could kind of do my own thing more if I didn't have to do all this. If Sunday, if I, Sunday was just purely fun day. Right? Sunday fun day. Right. But like the, the, there's, there's an inconvenience. So I think the idea of what they're going through is, yeah, there's some persecution. Yeah, there's even some loss of property. Yeah, there's ridicule and these kind of things. But what the author is saying is, you're not, they're not really hurting you. So maybe harden up a little bit. So we maybe like can listen to that. Because, I mean, as far as persecution goes globally throughout the ages, we're, we're still on the light end. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're working with some pretty, who knows, it can change. And, and that's why you prepare yourself anyway. You go, you know what, Lord, you are worthy no matter what. That's the mindset, though. Because the mindset that says you're worthy no matter what is the mindset that helps you endure when you're suffering. and helps you to endure even when it's just an inconvenience. And that is definitely a symptom of the culture we're in now. 
Of course, we've catered to that. We make it really easy. We have a live stream, which is good for those who can't make it. That's a good thing. But you, you kind of cater to, well, I got my podcast, I got my whatever. Or, you know, I kind of have all these different, like, secret ways I can do everything and all that stuff, and, it's, and it works out. And some, there's grace for that. That works, too. But, like, the idea, the matter, fact of the matter is, is whenever it's inconvenient, a lot of times it's the Lord that's like, yeah, that's the first one out. This is something we got to think about. Because I think the message to Hebrews is, this is, keep in mind, any, any letter that's written to someone is written to them. Written to that church at that time. But because it's the word of God, it like cuts all of us throughout all the generations. Find a book in the Bible that you read and can't feel convicted afterwards. But the, the message to the Hebrews is probably the same message to us. You have not resisted the bloodshed striving against sin. Verse 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, this is interesting because the author of Hebrews is tying the things that they're going through as not just being fully from the devil as being connected to the Lord working something out in them. That he as a loving father is working some things out in them that are uncomfortable and you would not want to choose on your own. Isn't that the way that works? What's interesting is even if the devil means it for bad, the Lord can use it for good. But we're often exposed. And that's exactly the point. So he's saying, have you forgotten the exhortation? The exhortation is the encouragement which speaks to us to sons. What he's saying is, have you forgotten the encouragement that you're viewed as sons and daughters? That the living God loves you so much that he's willing to correct you and, and work on you? And, and because he cares. And so he, then he, he uses the, uh, a scripture from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Um, this is the part that kind of gets left out, right? Because it's the, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and make your path straight. You're like, yes. Go a little further, my son. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. It's fun. Some verses, you know, it's like hard stop. That, would, that one didn't make it on the wall with cross-stitch art, you know. But, but what, what is the, the uh, context? As you're trusting in the Lord, you're not leaning on your own understanding. Well, what, what, any time that we decide that there's a better decision than following what God says, that's the opposite of faith. That's unbelief. Belief is trusting God no matter what, even when it costs you everything. That's faith. The opposite is unbelief. Well, what is that a symptom? You don't trust God. You're leaning on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? He's first and for, on the forefront of your mind. This is everything is everything is is filtered through this. This is one number one. Because there there is God is a jealous God and a good type of jealousy that says you were only created to have me as number one. And if if you have anything else as number one, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. Your God will turn on you and eat you alive. Because the thing that then becomes number one is now a false god and an idol, and an idol cannot hold the weight you're trying to put on it. 
So you got to come to me. Trust in the Lord and, and, and as we uh, lean not on our understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, he'll make your path straight. Well, now we see not only is that the, the beginning of it, but he's going to work in us. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. To despise means don't take lightly. When God's doing something in your life, don't take it lightly. I think here's an example of, of the beginning. It says, don't take it too seriously like the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And don't take it too lightly so it doesn't have effect. Well, how do we find that place? This is when we look around us and we see the world and we see all the chaos and all the craziness. And we go, but God is on the throne. And he does whatever he wants, however he wants to do it. So as we look at the chaotic world around us and we look at what's happening to, the, to Israel, we go, what is going on? What is, what is all this? What is all this? Chaos, insanity, all kinds of stuff happening. Both, it's, and there's bombs flying and there's kids dying all over the place. And we go, is, is, there just, is this all out of control? And, and yes and no. Because man has been given, in a sense, this ability to have free will and go, but the Lord is over all of it, and he's working through all of it, and he's moving in all of it, and he's finding a way, which is why most of us don't find God on the cheerful mountaintops. We find him in the chaos when stuff hits the fan. He meets us in these places. And so he's recommending us to not despise or take lightly the chastening of the Lord. Chastening is not a word we use often, but um, words that, that this, the Greek word also means discipline or training. I, I think those are, those are really easy to understand. It's like the two-sided discipline. Discipline keeps you from all sorts of trouble. Discipline is really what leads you to freedom. You can't have freedom without discipline. We've talked about that multiple times. You, freedom is... Freedom without discipline is like, it's a vice in and of itself. You never get anything done. You never actually feel free. Discipline is, is the key to really understanding even freedom. As we're disciplined and we put things in their proper place, we are now able to walk in freedom. If you're disciplined enough to learn how to play the guitar and learn all the scales, it can look like you're doing whatever you want. But really, it's because of all the discipline you've had helps you to play a lot more freely. Now, if you want to just kind of play, you could do that, but you, you, you won't be allowed up here yet, you know. You're going to need a little bit of time. <laughs> like, you know what? And I remember I had one of our youth students, and he was kind of trippy. And he was, like, always, like, he was always trying to rewrite everything. Like, he was just, like, you ever think, like, like keys are just, like, trying to hold us back from what music is supposed to be? And you're, like... Hmm. And then he would play something and you're like, no, I don't. I don't think that. I think you can be locked in and I think that there's ways to transition to other people. Anyway, I don't think that. That doesn't sound good. Why? Because there's order and order is important, isn't it? And so understanding order is understanding discipline. And God is not a God of disorder, so we're not a people of disorder. We know who we are. We know what we're about. We know where we go. We know, like, that, especially if we're at our best, think about it, at any point in your life, when you were the most, you had the best time of a relationship with the Lord, and you were the most productive, and you had the best, was it a time where you were completely undisciplined or disciplined? 
You were, you were disciplined. I guarantee it. Because you go, oh, I just do whatever I want. It was really awesome. You're like, eh. That gets old. And you don't get anything done. And you feel like junk every, you know, anyway. So discipline and training. So the chastening of the Lord is this, don't despise or don't take lightly the fact that the Lord is disciplining you to bring you into a good place or training. Nor be discouraged when you were rebuked by him. Now, the word rebuked is to be exposed or convicted. Don't become discouraged don't, when, or, and don't, or don't grow weary when you're being ex, like exposed. Don't grow weary in the process of God showing you who you really are and how those things need to go. Because we're experts at putting shields around us and making everyone think everything's good. Don't grow weary in God reaching in and touching the real you and so, showing you this thing is poison. It's toxic. It's got to go. There needs to be a change. So if we're thinking about discipline, we're thinking about it in training. Why do you get a trainer, like say a physical trainer? Because they're able to, first of all, they might know more than you do, but they're also able to see issues. They're able to see, ah, you know what? Your shoulder doesn't go all the way. Like that's a problem. Like you, you're, you have, you're lacking a range of motion. So before we can even do that, let's do this. Let's get that thing working again. Let's start, let's start getting this thing right so that we don't build muscle and lock it in and it doesn't even work. It won't even work. So a trainer is able to see things you could never see on your own. I had a friend who posted it. He was a friend of ours, a trainer. Another friend of ours was with him. He says, I have a trainer because I would never think to do this on my own and it's absolutely tearing me up in the best way, basically. Like, I would never think of doing this exercise, and you would never think it's that hard, but it's killing me. And he has shoulder issues, so he's working his shoulder. And the guy knows what to do, how much, how little. This is what the Lord does. He exposes us. He shows us the things because he's training us and he's disciplining us. Why? Because what are the plans that the Lord has for us? He wants to use us for his workmanship. We're created for good works. Every person in here is created unique and individually for good things. The DNA and the makeup that you have is created for really good things, but it will be messed up by the stuff that you, the, the rock in your shoe holding you back. So when the Lord deals with us, he looks at us like that. Good fathers discipline and train their kids. You might not think so when you're a kid, but do you remember that you guys, everybody had a friend whose parents did not, did not do anything. And that was the place where you always went. It was the house where no one, there was no rules. There was basically no parent. And sometimes the parents were like worse than the kids. You get over there and you'd be like, I feel like I need to be responsible right now and tell you that this is a bad idea. And, and you might think that's the coolest thing ever when you're 16 years old. But then you start to realize that the stuff that's going on, it's not just being cool about it. It's like it's toxic. It's no good. Why, why does a parent care? And we try to, you, know, you try to explain this to your children. Like you're bringing stuff to them and you're going like, this is not good for you. The reason I'm protecting you from this and, and you think I'm being restrictive is because you can't handle that. Matter of fact, I can't handle that. 
And, you, and kids your age are getting exposed to stuff they don't need to be exposed to. So because I love you, and I, because I know that there's a gnarly struggle on the other end of this, if this thing beca- takes root in your life, I want to help you by putting guardrails until you're old enough to handle all this. And that's what a good father does. They discipline their child. And it's not, it, it's, it's, it's important Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there among whom a father does not chasten? But if you are not chastening, uh, but you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So if God is working on something in your life, praise God. (laughs) You just say, thank you. You love me. You care about me. You are... Are, are working in me to look more like Jesus every day, to get rid of all the weird scars and old stuff that's held you back for so long. Things that you think are your identity, they are not. And so he exposes it. When you think of exposing something, you think of light. And he's shining light on stuff, and you're like, <laughs> you know. There's parts of you that are like, <laughs> you know, like, no. Don't do that, you know. Don't open that closet. Everything falls out. (laughs) Stories like that. Hey, clean your room. All right. Everything's in the, you get it all piled up to the, and just, wow, this room's really clean. But I can't help but notice you don't have any stuff anymore. Where is it, you know? I don't know. You're like leaning against the door, hoping the hinges don't bust. Boom, opens the door, light comes in, out comes the junk. The Lord is looking to expose these issues in our lives, not because he doesn't care, but because he does care. That's what's interesting. A lot of people want a God that's, that says, don't, don't tell me I have any issues at all. And it's like, that's, that is so sad. Because what do we know about dealing with people? If, I'm, if I don't have issues, I'm the only one. Because everyone else I meet does. So, you know, if we're using logic, maybe I do too. So what is it that you want to do in me? So you don't despise it. Instead, you, you, we've got to ch- flip our mind. And like, Lord, even if you're allowing me to go through a season, even if it's a hard season, how are you, why are you doing this? How are you using this? Like, what, what is it? What are you trying to get me to see? And it's an inconvenient truth, especially if you're like into the prosperity gospel. (laughs) This is a a hard one to get by. But what do you see uh, in the Apostle Paul? A thorn in the flesh. What is that? I don't, we don't fully know, but we know uh, that he's asked the Lord many times to take it away. And he's like, it's my grace is sufficient for you. And later on, we see Paul say, yeah, it's keeping me from being cocky <laughs> because I think, I think Paul probably could have become real cocky because <laughs> he's so intense, man. Like He's just like, you guys are all lazy. He shows up. You guys are all lazy, every one of you. Well, 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 you know, walks in. He's like, I was busy making a tent, so you lazy bums didn't have to take care of me. But I see that you've done nothing since I've been gone. 
So now, all of a sudden, he's walking with a limp or something, something that's reminding him that the Lord's grace is sufficient for him, that he needed that. What do we see even in the Beatitudes? Like, it would be better for us to lose an eye or to uh, whatever, any of these different things, than to go on arrogantly believing that we, are the, that we can do whatever we want and everything's good. So the Lord uses these things. Doesn't mean he always does it. Definitely not. But he can use these seasons and these hardships to meet us. And he does. Because even the bad things, again, we know he is using to work things out in us. If you're not chasing, uh, uh, if you are without chastening, of which we are all particulars, you are not, you are illegitimate and not sons. Um, one of the things that uh, I guess, yeah, as a, as a parent, you have to be committed to doing the hard things now that lead to flourishing later. Because that's kind of the goal. If your goal is to keep your kids happy all the time now, the more you try to keep them happy, the less they're happy. Like they just become more and more brats. So it's just, it's just the way it is, right? Because we're the same way. It's like if I keep getting everything I want, I just want more things. And I, become, and I want them faster. I want more. You think about like Willy Wonka. <laughs> I want a feast. I want a bean feast. You're like, you are so British. Uh, a bean feast? Okay. Um, I think that's what she says. But we're looking, we're looking to the future of flourishing, not just the immediate feel good. And, and this is what sin is. Sin is, oh, feels good right now. I need it right now, right now, right now. But choosing to trust and have faith in God is delaying gratification for the great. Flourishing. The more we love our kids, the more we'll be committed to not just what they are now, but what they will become committed to the future. Great, you could be the best this right now. No, I, you know, I'd rather have you be a really good example of someone who loves Jesus and you believe it with all your, I would, that, that's so much more important than any other thing. What else is there? Name, it, it always sounds goofy when you actually do it. What's more important than a kid who grows up to love the Lord? Like, it would be fun to try and name it. No one would say anything, but then we would show our priorities list and we go, oops, <laughs> that actually is more important in my house. So this is the important thing for me is we say, Lord, work this thing out in me because I needed to be there for first and then help me to look to my children and, and see the same thing. Lord, what do you want to do in them and through them? So as a, good, as a good father, we recognize as we're being fathered, we are doing the same thing with our kids. That's not the point, but it's helpful. Because one, one of the most important things I think my dad would always teach me is work ethic, which was like, you know, we lived in the Inland Empire, so not as hot as Indio, but it was over 100, and it was always, hey, you're, uh, you're, yarding the, you're weeding the back 40 today. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, I would suggest getting up. It's going to be 105. I'll do it later. That's your choice. 
you know by five o'clock the thing has got to be done. So you know you you learn a couple, after a couple times of starting at three that one you might not get it done. Second, it's it's one hundred and five. Or hey, you're gonna go. My dad would say, hey, you're hanging drywall with me today. He said, I want to work it out of you that you never want to hang drywall for a living, plus you're going to help me. Right? So you go, okay. You're, he's like hanging board all day. Dad, it hurts. He's like, you're going to have to hold it. There's nowhere to run, man. You're holding that thing up. You want to be big and strong? You want to lift weights? You want to play football? These are your weights. Hold it up. But that, that goes a long way. Learning to, to push beyond the limits. And the Lord's going to take us past the comfort zone so we can actually become who we're supposed to be when he's working these things out in us. And the idea is that as the Lord is working on us, we're learning lessons in controlled, the controlled environment of discipleship. As he's moving these things into our lives, it's, he's not giving us more than we can handle. He is a, he's bringing us in and he's saying, now look to me, look to me. Don't make excuses. Don't point fingers. Look to me. You, you, hey, you want to find the problem? Go, go in the second room to the left. Turn on the light. Point the finger. It's a mirror. It's, this, is, this is you. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed... Uh, for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. We can see the gain of listening, if, especially if you have wife, wise parents. Not everybody does. But you can see the advantages of listening to a wise parent. How much greater, how much greater should we heed the correction or the training or the discipline of the Lord? If he's saying something to you, look at, he's saying, look at my track record. I'm, I got this. I'm, I have it all. I'm, I've got it all nailed. Trust me completely. Here's my track record. Now, would you just believe me on this point? Would you just trust me here? Could you, could you just do that? Most parents are trying their best. But I don't think there's any parents who think they've nailed it, right? Is there anyone in this room that's like, I nailed it? 100% of the time, I have not blown it once. Who could say it this week that they haven't blown it once, right? No, nobody. We, we recognize that. We know that. And so, same for our parents. But how much more can we trust God? How much more can we trust him? And believe him. Even when things are hard, even when they don't make sense. This is our moment of like, you know, because we go, oh, I would, I would, you know, it'd be so cool to trust God and see him, you know, all of a sudden the baby's born out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you know, he saves, he saves Isaac. All of a sudden he's, he walks and he's with him, you know, he's with God. All these great moments of faith. He's like, yeah, but they're built in these crazy, gnarly, dark, seemingly dark pockets where it empties us of ourselves and exposes to us all the little gods that are holding on tight. And that's the idea, is correction and discipline expose us to what we really think is important, what we really value. 
So we're subject to the correction, the training of the Lord as we, as we help lead our kids to the same faith, faith-filled, grace-needing, forgiveness, there's forgiving, seeking forgiveness way of life. We're all in this together. We're all exposed. By the way, if you are a parent, the best way to do this is to show your kids you're also being exposed. You're also in process. Kids do not respond to like, I got it all together. Like, just follow me. You'll figure it out. Like, I got this all nailed, you know? Follow me as I follow Christ, which means, that's what Paul said, which means we're asking for forgiveness. We're asking for wisdom. We're asking for, you know, Lord, where's provision? Where are you? We're called to submit to him. Verse 11, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So it's not a fun excuse because it crushes our pride in our false identity. It, shows, it, it reveals us to be fakes. That's a good thing. Because that means that there's parts of us that are fake. No matter how much you think you're real, there's part of you that's fake. And this exposes these things. What's the result? Righteousness. What was the correction for David in his life? David, you blew it. You really messed up. And there was price to be paid. And it was steep. And it was painful. But on the other side of it, he was back to worshiping and honoring God again. So no matter the pain, he was back to that relationship. What about Peter when he denies the Lord and Jesus meets him and he exposes him? And he's so kind to him. I think that's the other part we got to realize. God is very kind to us in the way that he deals with us, just like a good father would be. He doesn't discipline us with this crazy wrath, off the hand, fly off the handle, with, abs- with all emotions. <laughs> It's pointed and it's directed. And how does he deal with Peter? What does he do? Hey, Peter, do you love me? Oh, I've been exposed. Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Uh, You know I like you. (laughs) Feed my sheep, man. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you you know all things. You know me. You know, you know what that means? You know what you know all things says? Exposed. It means that you're shy. You are, you're cutting me so deep right now. You are so far inside that clearly you know everything. And he says, that's my guy. Y'all ready for Pentecost? <laughs> Isn't that wild? This is, this is who he uses. But it's through the exposure. It's through God working in us and meeting us in these sometimes painful, overwhelmingly gracious ways, though. Because really, what's the most gracious thing you can do? Yeah, it might hurt for now, but it's going to save you in the long term. It's going to save you from, like, major hurt later. What's the result is righteousness. This produces righteousness, being exposed produces righteousness because we ask for forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all sins and then he clothes us in his righteousness again. 
And then we can live in honesty, where we are, which is where we can live authentic lives, where we can actually be the real thing. We don't have to be fake and phony. Especially at church, what the heck? This is the, is there a place anywhere? This is the place to not be. But yet it's known for that. Well, it's because, are we allowing the Lord to expose us? It's also, um, the more it happens, it's contagious. When you see the real thing, you want to be part of the real thing. It also only works for those who allow it to work in their lives. Stubborn kids don't learn the lesson the first time. I have a sibling. I won't mention him, but I only have one brother. Uh, and he was so stubborn. He just would not give up. And I, I applaud him for that. He would sometimes. He would just because it was so impressive. Not really. I'm not really applauding him. But it was impressive. Like he'd rather sit at the table all night long than eat his plate of spaghetti. Like all night. And my parents, it was like battle of the ages. I'm not even watching TV tonight. I'm watching this. <laughs> Who will give first? And he's just sitting there and he's not eating it. And they finally, they put a little bit in his mouth and he makes himself throw up. I think he probably had to eat that too. I don't know. But it was like, <laughs> like, what is this? But when you're stubborn, you don't learn. You're going to have to learn it later. See, the idea is brokenness. So what do we do when God's pressing on our life and you go, I can't take it anymore. He's like, okay, so, so, so it's come to me. Like no matter where it's coming from, come to me. There's something I'm doing in you. I can't take it anymore. Well, you aren't supposed to take it anyway. Let it be used by the Lord. And understanding is like the parent-child relationships makes this make so much sense. Remember the context. They're under persecution. So you don't always, don't always think it's the devil or that any sort of pain is to be avoided. The Lord will use this hard season for good. And you'll bleed a little in the process. Don't be so, we, we, we gotta not be scared of the pain. The Lord wants to take us through a little bit of pain, long-term gain. But that's not something our culture wants anything to do with. Instead, it's like affirm me in every single possible way without any sort of pain involved, without me having to change anything at all. And we got to go, yes, affirmed in the identity of Christ. Like that if you're, you're or like an image of God, you are created in the image of God. You have intrinsic value, but none of us are supposed to stay where we're at. We're all part of in this process of sanctification to grow and to be made who we're really supposed to be. Verse 12 and 13, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Strength, strengthen is to straighten or rebuild. That's the word it means. Strengthen what's become weak. Learn it and train it. There's, um, not to use my brother again, but he, my brother's in a wheelchair. Growing up, he had a, uh, he has spina bifida, he still has it, but he, was, he would walk with braces on his feet. And so he could kind of walk for a while. And um, the braces would be like the discipline for his feet. 
It'd be like the thing that held everything together. It'd be like, this is the, the, your ankle can only go this far, and you can't go this way, and this will hold you up, and it straps here, and it straps there. It's like the discipline for his feet. And then, like, once a week, we were at physical therapy, it seemed like. That's the training. Well, what's the goal? What's the idea? And, and, and it's true with anyone who's maybe not something where it's for your life, but like a, an injury. Sometimes you have to splint that thing up. And that's the discipline. And then you have to work through the physical therapy, which is grueling and painful. That's the training. But what's the result is that eventually you don't have to use that anymore. The hope is that you're strengthened to the point where you're now able to be free and do exactly what you've been called to do. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not get worse and become dislocated, rather be healed. What a good, benevolent God. You know, I was thinking like even um, for the barbecue, we're like, well, let's use it at outreach. And I was like, this, this is a heavy passage. I thought about not doing it at one point. It's like, well, shoot, I, I have a little bit of a gap, you know, because I have the rest of the year planned out you know, as far as messages. I was like, I have one gap, one week gap in there. And then, and then I was like, no, this is so good to hear. We need to know this. We need to hear this. That God loves us so much that he's so involved in our lives that he's intricately part of the process of saying, I see you, I know you, I want all of it. I see all of it. Are you tired of carrying this burden? Are you tired of carrying this weight of sin? Are you tired of all of the junk? Come to me. You are, who are labored. I'll give you rest. Come to me. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. How do you accept that if you don't know that you have sins? <laughs> that you're a sinner, stuck, stuck at enmity with God and stuck at enmity with ourselves. We live in a world of chaos that we've created. We don't have anyone to blame but us. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. No whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that by through him he would be saved. So we now receive this and we recognize that we are those who are sinners. And yet Jesus is the one that suffered shame, the greatest of shame. And we fall on our faces as he exposes us, as he's revealing to us. Maybe even in the message this morning, he's revealing to you stuff. And you go, I don't want to hear it. Or who told him that? It's like the Lord, if the Lord's speaking to us like he spoke to me this week. And it means I got to bleed a little bit. It's to remove the tumor out of your life the junk, and to make us clean and whole in him, sustained by him, working as he's moving in us. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.